everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Cleve and Me, episode number seven. There is a lot of wrestling news to talk about, and outside of the ring and inside the ring, it's going to be, it's a beautiful Sunday morning. We've never really done a show yet on a Sunday. We keep, you know, switching up the days. We're both pretty crazy uh, scheduling, so we appreciate everybody tuning in weekly as always, but without further ado, without question, my co-host, my buddy, my friend, Cleveland. After a weekend, we know we got a couple hours until the NFL slate clicks off. How are we doing today? And uh, we got a lot to talk about, don't we, in the WWE Weekly News? Yeah, I'm feeling really good. Uh, like you mentioned, the draft just happened. Uh, there's a lot of moves that happened that I think we can both agree that was very confusing a little bit. Um, you did mention it is football Sunday today. My Cowboys play the Giants, and my Lakers look to close out Miami at six tonight. So I'm hoping both happens tonight. <laughs> and it, it absolutely loaded schedule. My Colts play in Cleveland with the battle of three and ones. And like he said, the NBA Finals, which I did think the Heat would win game five, and I think the Lakers are going to win game six, and that ends tonight. But we're going to get a little probably more sports talk at the end just because it is a beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, with football upon us and also a lot of COVID things going on, not only in the WWE as we talked last week, but, you know, it's happening in the NFL as well. But anyways, I don't want to waste any more time. Cleveland brought up the draft, you know, as cheesy or as cool as you may think it is. Yearly, Stephanie McMahon is now doing the WWE draft, once on SmackDown, once on Raw. And they try to make it as similar to, you can almost say, the NFL or MLB or NBA as possible. They give you the bottom bar. It's more of kind of trades. It's not really too many call-ups to this, uh, you know, just straight call-ups from another division. But it's interesting to see things happen. So I want to get right into it. Probably the biggest move that we saw on Friday night was Seth Rollins coming over to SmackDown. And I would probably say on the reverse side of that is the New Day breaking up and Kofi and Xavier Woods going to Raw while Big E stays on SmackDown. Really quickly, I want to p- p- give my two cents on both those moves really quick. I thought Seth needed the move. Um, I didn't like how the rest of the, you know, Buddy Murphy, Dominic, and Ray came with it, but we'll also get into that. Uh, but I did think he needed a change of scenery and, you know, maybe some new challenges. And then on the flip side of things, we've been talking about it for a while. We love the New Day, but Big E is getting that singles run. He won a a hard-fought match with Sheamus. They fought all over the place, and he won that in a singles competition. So I think you know they're trying to build him up as well. Cleveland, I guess my question to you is, you know, out of those two moves, Seth moving over to SmackDown, New Day moving over to Raw without Big E, do you think those are the both – the right calls, or would you have liked to see one of the, one of those pairings stay where they are? Uh, I think it's the right call. Like we mentioned, we've been hearing for months that they want to push Biggie into a bigger role, give him a bigger spotlight, and I think this is the best way without breaking up New Day in a sense. It's more of like New Day, Kofi and Xavier go their own way, and they just allow Biggie to go out and try himself in the singles competition. And I agree, um, Seth Rollins coming to SmackDown was much needed. Like I mentioned, I love the Messiah character. I think it's very different. It's unique. He needed a fresher start on SmackDown. But like you also mentioned, I do have a problem with the Mysterios following him to SmackDown. 
because I feel like that mess from Raw is going to carry over to SmackDown, and we don't want to see that on SmackDown. Yeah, no, we we clearly are getting tired of the, uh, just like I see a lot of people on social media, it's getting just stale with, uh, you know, Seth versus Ray and Dominic and the entire family. I do like how they focus the attention more towards Buddy Murphy flipping on Seth Rollins, but like Cleveland mentioned before the show started when we were talking, just shooting the shit, they still drag the Mysterio family into all that. So that's something like things is going to continue. We can only hope after Hell in a Cell, um, it all comes to an end because I wanted to talk about this too. We have the superstar shakeup of the draft um, that they now call it, and we have a lot going on, but it's a little confusing because, you know, you have what's shocking WWE can be a little confusing, but you have um, Hell in a Cell at the end of the month. You have these drafts happening, season premieres, they call them next week, but then you still have like the New Day has their last fight next Friday night on SmackDown as a team of three. You have Seth Rollins saying his goodbyes on Raw. So with all the Hell in a Cell storylines, not being able to move those characters, and then on top of that, you have a little bit of endings and then the startings of Raw and SmackDown, I guess, if you want to break it down into, you know, season by season with that starting over next week. But I don't know, Cleveland. It, it, I, the draft is always an interesting time of year. I do like it because, you know, it's good to have switching of brands. It's good, it, things get a little bit, you know, I don't even want to say stale, but just after a year, you need some new feuds. You need some new character mashups and stuff like that. To this point, year two of the draft style they're, they're doing, do you, do you feel like uh, the draft is pretty successful or you just see it as a hodgepodge of weird things moving around that don't really make too much sense? I think right now it's just them moving. I think they're just moving people just to move them to see, uh, just to make it seem like they're going to do something different. Because if they were going to do something different, they would have not sent the Mysterios to SmackDown with Seth Rollins. You know, like, they're, like, they're still, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to put it into words, but I felt like the draft was not as, the first night was not as successful as you thought it would be. Right. Cause you kind of see like, we're hoping for all these new things. And then as we just talked about the Seth Rollins feud with the Mysterio, all moves to SmackDown. So like, SmackDown has been phenomenal. Me and Cleveland have mentioned that many of times and we'll get into raw how that's been on the down. So hopefully the shakeup kind of helps, but I don't like how they just moved and we can agree one storyline full into another, but you know, those two topics we'll get into a little bit more later when we preview Monday Night Raw tomorrow. And then we also talk about what happened more on SmackDown yesterday. A couple other things I want to get into. It's been a huge week of wrestling all the way back to last Monday with Raw. Cleveland, I, you know, I, I know we your thoughts already because we text throughout the week and stuff on Monday Night Raw. But just tell the people why you didn't really enjoy it and what you – what you need to see change to make you start and like and raw again. I think it's just all over the place. There's like there's matches that make no sense. There's no backstories. They're just like I love right I love our truth. I think our truth is one of the funniest wrestlers. But the twenty four seven title has became very stale. I like the twenty four title belt when it first came out because it gave wrestlers without a storyline at least TV time, you know, you'll see them chasing the 24 7. 
our truth around the building, but now it just seems to be only around three wrestlers. And then I was so confused on the Braun Strowman and Keith Lee matchup. First of all, I ended in a double countout, so what was the point of even scheduling that? But why suddenly are they having issues? Why are they trying to break the stage and falling off the stage? And then the women's division, oh my I don't even know what to say about the Raw's women division right now. It is a hot mess right now. I feel bad for Asuka because there's like no legit credible wrestler on the Raw. Not and I and I can't really remember, but do you remember did any uh woman move over? I think Naomi maybe, but did you remember any other move uh woman moving from SmackDown? Blanca, to uh Belair, I think, was moved over to like that. SmackDown. And I know we did switch to Raw, which is good because that would be a great person to challenge Oscar. Uh, Give her a chance to yeah. get up there a little bit. Also, I like the Miz and Morrison moving to Raw, especially for their tag team division. As like I mentioned, a lot of Raw storylines are like stale. We're just seeing the same old matches without We've seen the Street Profits go against Andrada and Garza for, like, how many matches now? So, overall, I think Raw just needs a better writer. I think it's, like, it's just – it's hard to watch for three hours. And it, and it that is a long show. And for anybody that is, you know, listening to this podcast or, you know uh, – God, if anybody listens that just works for the WWE – Find a way to get the creative writing on track. We are sick of seeing this garbage put together. For example, I love Monday Night Raw. You know, I sit there on a Monday night. I got Monday Night Football on one TV. I got Monday Night Raw. I can't even try to put Monday Night Raw on the main screen sometimes besides the opening segment and the closing segment because you just do crazy things. I mean, Keith Lee versus Braun Strowman, oh, it literally was probably like, hey, you know what? We have no role for these guys right now. Let's just throw them two into a match, even though Braun Strowman is a SmackDown character and he just keeps finding himself on Raw. So I really hope after this draft they keep their shit on their own brands. If they really want to, you know, kind of get back to the old days of having brand supremacy and actually keeping things separate, that would be great because you, you just can't have all these th- th- times where you lose yourself in storylines and creative writing and have characters jump ship to the other brand just to make something work. It, it doesn't work and it's not fun for the people to watch. It's only more confusing. Getting to his comments on Miz and Morrison, I love the move for them to moving to Raw. Um, not that they were doing anything wrong on SmackDown, but we just need a little change up there. I don't know if they stay together and you know, we continue to see the Street Profits and what have you. You have a good battle you can do right there. But also, I think the Miz does deserve a lone title shot. But at the same, that brings us into another confusing storyline is, I don't know if they're just going to end it or not, Cleveland, but we all know about the, you know, the case going on with Otis right now with the money in the bank and lawyers getting involved and we hear all these rumors of how they want to try and find a creative way of Otis losing the money in the bank, but Vince McMahon loves Otis. So you saw his partner move over to raw, which in my opinion means they might be, you know, trying, this will be the run to build up Otis, but 
I don't know. It's all very confusing. I don't know if they just drop that storyline dead with the Ms. Morrison and Otis or keep it going. Cleveland, are you just as confused as me or do you think you see a direction here for the money in the bank and his Otis's partner moving over to Raw along with Ms. and Morrison? I'm actually really confused on the move. I don't think Tucker will be able to stand on his own. He comes off as a tag team guy. And I've actually did re- hear that report where you just mentioned that they want to find a way for him to lose the briefcase. But Vince McMahon is very, I would say, stubborn on the idea of it. Um, I don't think he realized that. It was all fun and games when Otis first won. You know, it was all giggles. But I think after a while, people came to realize, like, you know, oh, shit, Otis is the money in the bank, right? And with the two current champions, Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre, there's no believable scenario where he beats either one of them. His finisher is a caterpillar, for crying's sake. <laughs> so I don't know who you're catching off guard with that finisher. Um, I hope the Miz, I, I hope the Miz and Otis feud is over. Like I said, Miz and Morrison deserve so much better. The Miz, as I was going, you know, a conversation with you and Myron in the group chat, I was like, the Miz deserves so much better than where he is currently. I think people forget two years ago, he was having a feud of the year with Daniel Bryan on the cusp of a WWE title shot. And then after that, the Miz sort of fell off into the background. And, then, and you know, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. Oh, then John Morrison, too. I think him coming back was a big move because, you know, a lot of people felt his first run with WWE wasn't successful. So I would like to see them stay together, but I would like to see them branch off and go for singles titles. And obviously they can both do it around their own. They've proven it. Uh, not to quote exactly because I don't have it in front of me, but The Miz actually did say the other day that, he is itching to get back like himself outside of, you know, just being the Miz. He wants to get back to having a title shot picture. So we hope the best for it because he's a great heel. I can remember all the way back to 2011 WrestleMania that created a two-year feud with The Rock and Cena, how he did a great job of um, competing in that WrestleMania main event with The Rock as referee and the rest is kind of history from there. But we can agree that, you know, both Miz and Morrison can handle things on their own. I think we could also agree that Otis can't handle things on his own as a money in the bank champion with the Caterpillar is we all love to laugh at, but uh, in terms of getting down to business, it's not the best thing in the world. You know, though we talk about Otis a lot, so we're going to let him drop off a little bit as we hope his money in the bank drops off. And we're going to talk about a couple other things. Just a little preview since we don't want to go all the way too back into talking about everything through the mediocre uh, Monday night raw. Asuka, this tomorrow little breaking news, has a battle royal uh, of women to determine who she will fight next at Hell in a Cell, which I think we can all agree they're stuck in some confusion there. Maybe Naomi moving over, you know, she'll get involved in that. Or Peyton Royce, I know there was talks about her in the past maybe getting her on. Or Selena Vega has been trying to be up there, even though she's already lost a couple of times. With that being said, Cleveland, with a little bit of uh, news right there for Asuka tomorrow, who would you like to see, you know, from Raw singles competition? They won't probably – nobody's going to really probably be Asuka at Hell in a Cell, but who do you des- deserve – who do you think deserves to be the next person to at least have a battle, kind of like an Uso for this match uh, coming up at for her next championship? 
I think you hit it on the head when you named Naomi. Out of everybody you just named, um, Peyton Royce, I heard they are trying to build her up as a singles, but I don't think she's ready for that spotlight yet. Um, Mickey James just made a return, and I think, you know, I don't think that match was well received in the back. I think Naomi, Natalia is not a bad choice either. Natalia is actually a veteran in the ring, really good. Um, Dana Brooks. I tell you, I really, I really love the effort of Dana Brooks. You can tell she's working hard out there, but no, it's not believable. Um, Mandy Rose, maybe I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think Mandy has it yet. I was watching the watching the clip, and it just looks like Mandy is still like little hesitant on moves. I don't think uh, seeing she bounced that drop on uh, Alana, that was almost pretty bad, actually. True. True. I think it is Naomi, and that would be pretty interesting because I'm. I think Naomi is married to. I don't know. Is it? I think it's Jimmy, or is it? It's one of. It's one of the Usos. Usos. So I'm thinking, all right, maybe if this who's you know, I don't know if it's her husband is Jay, but let's say her husband is Jay. Jay getting a push might be able to get her a push. And then my Naomi deserves it. I mean, we've seen in the past few months what she's been through on SmackDown, the ridiculous segments and this and that. And she's actually a pretty good wrestler. So to get her back into the ring against Oscar would be very a good way to build her character back up. And yes, we all know Naomi's had her interesting runs lately. So getting back into the title run uh, would be a great way for even if she can't win, just to get that name recognition and show off her amazing skill. Another uh, I'm not really confused. I actually think this is one of the better storylines going on right now, but with brand crossover and we'll see if they find them themselves on the same show starting tomorrow with the draft being once again on Monday night raw, do not forget to check in ladies and gentlemen, we're only halfway done with the 2020 WWE draft. So tune in tomorrow for that, but Kevin Owens and the fiend, we touched on a little bit at the end of the last episode, but I really want to make it a center of conversation today before we get into other outlets and other topics. They had a great, in my opinion, it was a great fight on Friday night, SmackDown, um, The Fiend and KO, because to me, they did a great job. Even though KO lost to The Fiend, I think they did a great job of showing off his amazing skills. He got all his big moves in. He took a lot of blows. He, you know, his... um, rollover butt bomb i forget the exact terminology on that but i always love seeing that move he has the stunner you know he for a bigger guy he could just move very well and very relatable to myself you know getting got a little bit of a belly i love guys seeing him like that being able to fight big in the ring but uh at the end of the day he lost and alexa bliss is still very involved and under the fiend's control i guess my question uh, to you on this one cleveland do you see this turning into a KO joining uh, uh, possibly if you call it a stable faction, I don't really know or the fiends world or do you kind of just see this as a filler storyline of two good wrestlers until they can find uh, their own storylines in the making you know that's I I can see I'm sort of in the middle between that I can see that if we've seen recently the fiend has been able to change people's characters you know either wake them up or bring them to the dark side like i mentioned we've seen it with daniel bryan a few months back when him and daniel bryan was feuding 
Alexa Bliss right now has apparently joined his side. So I think, you know, maybe feuding with The Fiend will wake Kevin Owens up. Like we said, Kevin Owens has just been floating around. Maybe The Fiend would be able to show Kevin Owens his true side. You know, hopefully get heel Kevin Owens back. I think face Kevin Owens is okay, but he's better as a heel. And I think if they were to feud, The Fiend will win. And I think it will move The Fiend further along to the ultimate goal, which I think is winning the WWE champion. And, you know, that is a great point because obviously KO is, his history is um, great. He's done a lot of good things between NXT, WWE, and other outlets. And they could definitely have a great rivalry and see things continue. And I, as I said a few shows before, I'm not right on much, but I really keep sticking to my point where I think, I also saw a leak, but I think The Fiend's moving out back to Monday Night Raw. It's just a smart move. Uh, Roman Reigns is not going to lose a title anytime soon. We know that. And there's only so much you can do with, with The Fiend before you get him back into the title picture and hopefully go on a long run and not lose to a guy like Goldberg, as we've also talked about. So, you know, there's a lot going on with The Fiend there. I, I love that storyline. They keep growing. I think Alexa Bliss is doing a hell of a job of, filling the role and you know actually buying into of her man she is possessed there is something up that that look in her eye when she's you know on the ko show or has that contact with the fiend i just it it looks very real and she's just pulling it off so well so i want to once again give my kudos to her also a little bit of news here just for monday night raw preview tomorrow the A-list or black Kevin Owens feud seems to continue a little bit as well. They have a no DQ match tomorrow. I don't know if the fiend will find himself in with an interference, but obviously we know those are two great fighters and you could, we could easily see the fiend playing a role in there as well. A little bit of a, you know, kind of jumping all over the place with the news we got today. We've talked to, a lot about the draft. We've talked about a couple of the bigger storylines. We haven't really hit the two uh, main title guys yet in Drew and Roman, but we'll do that a little bit at the more at the end of the show. One thing I want, really wanted to break in here um, for all WWE, AEW, all wrestling fans, even just people in the real world, Chris Jericho, I want to tip my hat off. 30 years of wrestling. They celebrated that on Wednesday, actually, on AEW. And Hats off to him. We know from his early days of being partners with Edge all the way up until being a part of the list to becoming a huge factor in AEW. Cleveland, this is just a little random break in here, but I just want to give my kudos where it's out. What what is uh, two things? What is your favorite Chris Jericho moment that you could remember? And do you like Chris Jericho as a wrestler or were you never too huge of a fan of his? I think the best Chris Jericho moment has to be when he first debuted and he interrupted The Rock on Monday Night Raw when the countdown finally reached zero. And I think him going toe-to-toe with The Rock that night defined his career because he didn't back down from The Rock because The Rock was throwing, you know, how The Rock was. The Rock, you know, talking shit and this and that, but Jericho was going right back with him. And I've always been a big Jericho fan. I love his finisher. The Walls of Jericho is a very, it's a cool submission. Um, I like the Lion's Salt, the Cold Breaker. I like how Jericho was able to change his character. I always thought he was better as a heel, but he was he was able to do a face also. 
And I do think Jericho is probably top 10 greatest wrestler of all time, easily. And the thing I love really about Chris Jericho is, is, you know, a lot of wrestlers, I know he went from WWE to AEW. Of course, you got to change your song. But even when you stay within a a certain company, when you change your songs, it's hard to pull that off. We all know Break the Walls Down to his great song now from his own band, Fozzie. So he, he was able to pull off two excellent songs that people love listening to now, similar to CM Punk when he kind of made the switch over in WWE. But he's done so many great things for all wrestling outlets. I mean, he's a great entertainer. He's a great promoter. He sh- shoots you straight. Um, you know, obviously he has his um, – he didn't like the way it ended with WWE. He was getting tired of his role. They were kind of turning him into a little bit of a joke for after all the great years of service he did. So obviously he's going to have some salt in the wound there, but he's always honest and appreciative. And I think even to this day, even though obviously just like any wrestler that gets older, he is a little bigger, he is a little slower, but he puts it all on the line and he really wants AEW to succeed. He actually even said that He doesn't want to fight older wrestlers anymore. He doesn't want to, you know, fight Hardy one-on-one. He doesn't really want to fight the John Moxley. I mean, yeah, of course that stuff could happen down the line, but he really wants to help young talent, kind of like what he did with Orange Cassidy, and now he's, you know, getting involved in these tag team matchups. So kudos to him for wanting to not only keep growing himself in the world, but growing young entertainment. So I just wanted to give, um, you know, my hats off to him. 30 years is a long time, and it's it's been so successful it's been through the roof so thank you chris jericho for all you've done and we'll you know touch a little bit more on aew coming up but needed to give that big shout out because uh it's well deserved and you know what i remember my favorite match was going back to of course the ladder match that cleveland brought up one time with the hardy boys it just phenomenal you guys hit people flying all over the ring so so many moments check them out go on youtube wwe network you can find a bunch of great chris jericho moments moving on though a little bit now i want to bring in a little bit of what we saw on friday night uh smackdown as always i we think smackdown is putting on better shows than raw to this point we'll bring roman reigns into the picture here a little bit i don't know about you cleveland i don't want to talk about too much about Uso and Roman and their match coming up because we've done that so much lately but I just love the demeanor and new attitude that Paul Heyman's helped teach Roman Reigns we've also dove into that before but man when I saw them I remember exactly from Friday Night Smackdown they're sitting in the office Roman just is like feet up no shits given his personality's totally changed like you could tell he's just everything's humble to him. He's keeping everything in. You can't tell if he's angry. You can't tell if he's happy. You can't tell if he's sad. He doesn't show the raw emotion on his face. I'm so happy they done this with his character after all the stale um, pushovers we try to see from 15 to 16 to 17 and 18. So I just want to talk about a little bit Roman Reigns and his character to this point. The development to me is growing beyond what I thought it could do you do you still like to continue what you see from Roman Reigns? Um, I love the Tribal Chief Roman Reigns. Um, like I've I've always been a big criticism, a big critic of Roman Reigns, simply because I always thought that his move sets sucked, his outfits sucked, he couldn't cut promos. 
Um, it was just so much about him that gave me John Cena vibes. Um, and let me tell you, I did not want to live through another era of that where you have a guy just never losing a match. At least John Cena can cut a halfway decent promo from time to time. So I think this new Roman Reigns is just, it's like, it's the coming out party form. He's cutting better promos, you know, he's wrestling without the stupid, whatever, the bulletproof vest, I'm guessing. Um, it just feels like this is his yard, you know? And it's, like I said, you know, we always criticize Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon for doing things, or but sometimes he does things at the right moment. I think with how wrestling is right now with the ratings going down, you know, COVID happened, so it, like, it, it was a crazy year for wrestling to make Roman go full turn heel was probably, like, the top moment this year. And I'm loving him and Jey Uso feud right now. I know we talk about it a lot, but it's the main, it's the best story WWE's having right now. And with the thing we like about it most, I think we can agree on too, is you build up a little bit of individualism for the Usos. At the same time, you carry a family theme through what we hope eventually brings the rock into the picture and not to jump too far off base, but I hope once this Seth Rollins, Buddy Murphy, mysterial crap ends that maybe you know we could get a little Seth and Roman action going on in there um don't want to jump too much into that right now but I just I just like where we're going leading up into all the big events coming up uh I know last episode at the end I talked about bringing in more news um I want to talk a little bit about NXT there's been some things happening there Ember Moon has has returned to NXT uh actually also a former person that we all love and know and very very much from the past tony storm has come back into the women's division in nxt so you're seeing a lot happen in that division i don't know if you saw cleveland we did talk about a little bit pre-show also the finn Balor match was awesome um he did break he did break his jaw reports are a little all over the place on the severity of it but that was a crazy match within itself I guess, uh, you know, we don't talk a ton about NXT all the time just because we don't simply have enough time to, you know, bring in all these outlets as much as we would love to. But from an NXT perspective, whether it's the new woman coming in or, you know, Finn Balor is the main dominant title holder there. Do you see, do you like, you know, the NXT? Like I I know a lot of people always love NXT because it just sticks to fighting and they have great storylines with Triple uh, Hunters, you know, Triple H taking it over there. So what what have you noticed or liked or grasped from NXT lately in the past uh, month or so, would you say, or past even week, Just? I give that NXT gives wrestlers a chance to show what they can do. I don't know how many times we have said in the past that Finn Balor deserves to be a main event star on Raw or SmackDown, but instead Vince McMahon would put him in the, media, the middle card for, like, the Intercontinental Champion. And he put on great matches, but he was so much better than the people that were ahead of him. It's it's so tough because you remember when he first won the Universal title, he tore something in his shoulder and had to relinquish the title. And now with this, he's on a good NXT run with the title, and now he has a broken jaw. And like I said, we don't know the severity of the broken jaw, but if he has to take time off, then he might have to relinquish the title. And that sucks because, like I say, <clears throat> Finn Balor has worked his butt off to get this title back. So 
Yeah, I like NXT because they build stars and they give people a second chance that messed up on the main roster. Like Amber Moon, oof, I don't even know what they were thinking when they brought her up. Um, she was just all over the place. And now she looks different. She looks new. People are excited to see her. And I know they're going to run with it in NXT. And, you know, NXT, shout out. You guys are, especially Triple H and Shawn Michaels, keep continuing the great quality work you put on Wednesday nights there. It is not easy to compete with AEW, as they are the by far and away the second best wrestling company. And, you know, it, it's hard with these Wednesday night wars. As AEW, 90% of the time to this point, has outdone its ratings compared to NXT. Both shows get over half uh, half a million viewers and AEW closes in close to a million sometimes, but it's not easy to compete and they do their best. And uh, we love the product from both brands. So kudos to NXT and being able to make sense of their storylines and grow and develop characters. Unlike you could see with Keith Lee right now, kind of stuck versus AEW who also, yes, they have a lot of cast offs and I don't want to say cast offs in a bad way, but they have a lot of people that came from the WWE outlet just as Impact has a lot of wrestlers from the WWE outlet, but they do home, they do get their own guys, grow them, and make the best of it, no doubt. Talking about this Wednesday Night War a little bit in AEW, I don't know if you were able to catch it at all, Cleveland. Um, jumping back to AEW for a quick minute before Donuts with Cleveland, we wrap up here today with some, you know, sports talk, just a little bit about life and just catching up, but there was a dog collar match for the first time, I believe, since 1987. And I forget off the top of my head, but the guy in one of the men in that match was actually at AEW because they, ha, they do host fans now at Jacksonville um, Jaguar Stadium since Khan is the owner. And let me tell you, man, oh man, I have not seen so much, you know, blood. I have not seen so much just beating the living crap out of each other. This wasn't one of the strap matches where you just put it on your wrist like we saw with Daniel Bryan and The Fiend. I believe that might have been at SummerSlam or one of the pay-per-views. Maybe it was Extreme Rules, but this was legit a dog collar match. Metal around the neck, fighting each other tooth and nail. And as we talked about with AEW, you know, I asked the question to Cleveland, Brody Lee, uh, Cody Rhodes, who do you see being on top? Clearly it was Cody Rhodes that should be. And he is back to being the TNT champion. And I don't know if you're able to see it, Cleveland, but just thoughts in general of this was a twisted match, a lot of blood, and Cody Rhodes is back on top with the belt. Were you able to catch any of that? Yeah, I caught the Cody Rhodes winning the TNT title back, which I thought was very interesting because seeing how we just lost it not too long ago, but like we mentioned, Cody does have a new appearance. So maybe the second time around with this title will be better than the first. I didn't see the dog collar match, but that is very interesting that uh, they would do a dog collar match. Um, usually you see a strap match or I remember the, the Texas bull rope match with JBO Eddie Guerrero. That was pretty interesting, bloody fight. Um, it's kind of interesting, though, because I remember when I was growing up watching wrestling, when it was, you know, head shots, the chair shots to the head, blood a lot. Um, it wasn't that tough to watch as a kid, but now it's like looking back on some matches, it's like a little bit too much blood sometimes. You know, like I remember the Eddie Guerrero and JBL fight where JBL cracks Eddie Guerrero on the head with the steel chair, and oh, my goodness, Eddie is just 
pouring. Faces crimson red. And like, as a kid, you know, you're like, oh, this is cool, this and that. But like, get a little older, like, you know, like a little bit too much blood, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, come on now, like, obviously you got to distinguish between what's real and what's not. But of course, for entertainment purposes, sometimes you will, we'll truly never know. Like Cleveland just alluded to, like, it did look like there was a little too much, but I mean, I, cause I can remember Brody Lee's face and I don't think you could even barely see his skin to that point. Um, but it was, and as you said, it was a little quick. Uh, we do that. We talk about that with the WWE. Sometimes I feel like, you know, Brody Lee, was probably promised to be a title holder at some point. And they kind of just were like, oh crap, you know, Cody actually does this better. We'll switch. But a little bit of news on AEW. They actually have all five of their titles for the first time ever on the line this coming Wednesday night. It is the yearly anniversary coming up for AEW. Congratulations to them and their network um, from Khan all the way down to Cody Rhodes, to Jericho, to the bottom of the roster. They have done a hell of a job of putting up a great show on Wednesdays. And you know what? I need to bring this up a little bit. And I don't know if exactly we're going to have time for donuts with Cleve today because there's so much to talk about. I look at their announce table booth and man, it, it, it's just good to see some old school with Taz, Jim Ross, and the boys up there. Taz actually has a faction again. Um, you know, we don't always talk about AEW all the time. We don't catch it as much as we would like to with how busy we are on WWE news, but do you do you like that combination? I know they have another couple guys up there, but do you like seeing Jim Ross, Taz, some of these old school guys, um, Roberts that is leads a faction, some of these old, older guys that are in AEW that they're not really wrestling anymore, but they're just keeping their names in the picture and just around the AEW and wrestling uh, world. I like it if it builds the characters that they're associated with up. You know, they it's like Taz, for example. Taz should no longer be the main focus. He should be what MVP will MVP is to the hurt business, more of the mouthpiece and you know, take a step back, you know, it's about building the younger stars up. Um and not, and not to cut in on that real quick, but just to catch you up a little bit as well, because I want you to continue. He has a guy by the name of Brian Cage right now who has a his FTW belt, which I guess uh, Taz made big back in the day. But like you said, instead of Taz being, you know, just the vocal point in the center of attention, he needs to make sure that he grows the people under him and gets them to the top and not himself. Yeah, it's trying to, yeah, that's a good point. Um, because you reach a problem with that where the older guys sometimes don't want to give up that spotlight or they, they're still holding on to that little bit of hope of name recognition and, the toughest thing to do sometimes as a veteran is to like let the spotlight go sometimes, especially when you are known, but you have to think about the future of the business. And um, like I said, I really haven't watched that much AEW. I do keep up with it from time to time. Um, list, I watch highlights on YouTube and I read on Bleacher Report about it. But my thing with AEW is it just seems like they just get all of the old guys from WWE it's starting to it's giving me a TNA vibes when everybody that left WWE was just going to TNA and yeah and, and it's kind of hard to I um part of me disagrees with that comment but where I do fully agree is even though they're you know they get new names they get new music everything you just feel like okay is this brand just going to keep taking let's get the Orange Cassidy's the MJF's the 
you know, all, all the young bucks, all, the people that weren't in WWE, the Kenny Omegas, I know they came from other big outlets like New Japan, New Japan, TNA or whatever, but let's, let's stop focusing on the WWE guys. It, it made us sick when we heard, you know, you know, money purposes, maybe Brock Lesnar or Goldberg, if they're done with WWE, AW would take a shot. Just keep growing your own guys. Cause isn't that what we want to see? But isn't that what we like about NXT, AEW, just the homegrown characters, my man, Cleveland. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like NXT, I mean, yeah, NXT for a perfect example have homegrown stars. You know, guys that have worked their way up from the wrestling performance center. That even the independent wrestlers that have come to NXT, people really didn't know too much about them. These guys that show up on AEW, oh, he was just on WWE. Um, what is Rusev? It was so funny because I just read this article a few days ago. Um, the new what, what is Rusev's new name? Um, Miro. So apparently Mero shit the bed his first match. Apparently they said that it was issues backstage with his performance. They felt he was sloppy. There was just a lot they said was wrong with the first match. And I know it's too early to judge, you know, after one match, you know, maybe he was nervous. He hasn't wrestled in a while. But maybe that just goes to show that the guys that WWE don't view as top tiers aren't top tiers, maybe, like, maybe they really aren't as good as we think they are. And I think a lot of them going to AEW starts to see that. Like Brody Lee, I mentioned this, he is not a main event star. Nope. He wrestle for the belt, but he should never be in serious contention for the top belt in your company. Um, they picked up Zack Ryder, I believe. I think he's, uh, I think he's going by a new name too, but he's another guy that, He's an entertaining guy, but is he a top wrestler? Is he, will you put your, would you give him the keys to your car? And, and that's the thing that's hard to establish with that, not to cut you off, but with Impact Wrestling, they do the same things with um, Zack Ryder's old partner, uh, the Gallo brothers. Like they try to bring in all these older characters and it's hard to, you know, you remember them from the WWE. It's hard to just think of them as new people and see them at top. So you, if you do bring over these people, you really, I think it's proven, you really have to make sure that you find a different way to get to them to the top and not make some WWE rehashes come in your head and say, hey, you know what, we've seen this type of thing before. What's going on? Uh, you bring these big talents in, but you got you to gotta rebuild them and you got to make them your own. And, and sometimes that's not easy to draw the line. But speaking of, since we're running a little bit short on time here, so with, you know, about 10 minutes to go in the show, we have to talk about retribution. We have to talk about Ali. Speak, talking of a guy who got the short end of the stick to being jumbled in bad storylines here and there. Cleveland, I'm just going to lay it out to you. Ali possibly being the leader slash the next guy coming out. Do you think this is the right, stru- the right step for retribution, who to this point has seemed to not – fully grasp the WWE universe. Um, I thought it was a very interesting choice that Ali was revealed as possibly the leader of Retribution. I do remember a few months back that he was supposed to be the SmackDown hacker. Um, I don't if you guys remember that for a while. Somebody was hacking like SmackDown stuff and they said that Mustafa Ali was behind it. So I think, and then that got scrapped so I could see him being the leader of Retribution because he wants change in the WWE. So I can, I can see that. I was kind of still hoping it'll be Triple H, only because that would have been just 
that would be kind of cool to see. But it'll be interesting to see where WWE goes with this. I think this can also be a make or break for Monday Night Raw. It's like, all right, are they throwing – what are they doing? Are they just spitballing ideas week by week? Is there a long-term goal with this? Because we don't even know if they're a face or a heel group because they're feuding with the Hurt Business. And we know the Hurt Business are heels. Are these two heel fractions going at it? Or is there a – that's what I'm just interested to see. What is the bigger picture with Mustafa Ali being named the leader a retribution possibly. And hopefully we get some more answers tomorrow. Once again, I'm try- we're trying to bring you news and up to date and we're going to drop this episode right after on a Sunday morning. So hopefully if you know your NFL team isn't playing, you're taking a break on this Sunday afternoon or, you know, Monday on your way to work or on your way home, you catch us because tomorrow Ali will also be explaining why he joined retribution. And I'm sure he will bring up um, where he's felt screwed in the past or, you know, as Cleveland mentioned, they did away with the SmackDown where he was hacking in and stuff. So we'll see if that all comes to fruition. I still think there's more to this. Um, as we mentioned in another episode, it leaked for Survivor Series that Retribution will be in the made card most likely. Obviously, a lot can change, but that's the current leak. So I still wonder if Triple H is the head of this or it has anything to do with it. Or with the shakeup, you'll see another couple big characters moving on to that brand. So it's definitely something we want to continue to follow because they made this such a big deal. You know, you're, they're, it's, they're trying to get this next big faction feel like we had the Nexus, we had other groups, um, the authority, you know, we had the, obviously with Roman Reigns, uh, Ambrose and uh, Seth Rollins, we had them with a huge faction. So a lot of things are happening right now and stable wise with the Hurt Business and them. So Hurt Business seems to be on top right now as Cleveland always, you know, we rave about the Hurt Business, but let's see if the Retribution can get their shit together and maybe grow and be a, you know, a huge dominant force in the WWE for a while to come because we need something special in our role and we need a splash. So please, 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 let's hope they give that to us. Needed to bring that up because, you know, Retribution is on the rise slash confusing confusing aspect of things maybe just like a little bit of the rambling i just did but we have to hit on randy orton and drew mcintyre before we get out of here and talk a little bit about sports and stuff of that nature so i'm not gonna you know we hashed on the third match a lot but it was randy orton's first pinfall clean pinfall on drew mcintyre on monday night raw so i wanted to bring that to the top of the picture and just say you know, once again, Cleveland, has your mind changed at all? Or are you still on the line of, I know you mentioned you think Randy Orton might win this match coming up. Are you still in that same line of thinking? Um, I was at first until the idea of The Fiend moving to Raw, especially with him feuding with KO. Like I mentioned earlier, I think The Fiend moving to Raw is not official yet, but it seems the direction that they're going with him moving to Raw. I think that is the next challenger for Drew McIntyre. I don't think Randy Orton and The Fiend needs to revisit their past just yet, even though that's a good storyline back there. So I think Drew McIntyre wins at Hell in a Cell and eventually will feud with The Fiend down the line, possibly around Survivor Series. 
And yeah, I mean, that's why the WWE draft is as cheesy. It may seem to some of us, but it, it, it could create a lot of creativity there. The fiend, he could easily step into a Drew McIntyre picture. He could easily step into a non-title Randy Orton picture or title Randy Orton picture. So there's a lot that's going to happen. Um, we, we'll all find out tomorrow night. Man, whew, getting a little tired here. Not only is it a Sunday morning, but we covered a lot of wrestling talk. We jumped, you know, we talked about the superstar and uh, the WWE draft. We talked about Raw. We talked about NXT. We talked about AEW. We even talked about SmackDown. Again, if you have any comments or questions, leave them on the pod. We know you guys are out there listening. We appreciate over 130 plus followers on Twitter. We appreciate um, being a part as well of the TSPN Time Skew Network. You can find them at TSPN underscore with all the other great podcasts available to you. And you can also find them at Time Skew Pod underscore where they do a great job of fantasy. But um, we see it. I look at my, you know, our information all the time. We get consistent followings. Our last episode is already above 30 viewers from, from beginning to end. So we love what we're seeing there. Give us feedback, positive or negative. And Cleveland, I know you always like giving a shout out to the fans. Um, we're clearly doing something right here. And w- with the wrestling news, we talk for, for right, wrong, or indifferent. But any last minute shout out before we move on to our last uh, category, sports? Uh, yeah, I just want to shout out our 190 listeners, um, our 136 followers. Like I say, you guys mean so much to us. Episode 7 and we're growing. Um, Joe told me we had listeners all over the world. Um, I heard we have a listener in France. That's pretty cool, actually. Five countries now overall, five total. That's pretty cool, actually. So, yeah, I'm really excited about this. And like I said, I love the support from our fans. Thank you so much. Cleveland is always appreciative. He's always giving the shout out. And uh, I just want to, you know, keep you guys involved that we see it. We uh, love the recognition and we're, we're not stopping. This is wrestling is year round. It is, it is a tiring industry. It's unlike sports that we're about to transition to where, you know, everyone has an off season. This is a year round thing. And as long as me and Cleveland are still on this earth in a wild 2020, we will be bringing you once a week episodes to not only recap things, but bring you news as well. We don't know when you guys listen, whether it's a week from now, a day from now, but we're trying to give you up to the minute information and our latest opinions on everything that's happening across all wrestling outlets. But I did bring up sports, Cleveland, and at the end of our day, actually at 325 today, both of our favorite teams play. I'm just going to lay it simple. I want a score prediction for the Giants and Cowboys game, and I want you to tell me if you think the Colts will go into Cleveland and win today. Two questions for you NFL-wise. What do you got for me? First, I go, uh, I got Cowboys putting up 30 points or more, um, and I have the Giants I'll go 10 points for the Giants. Like I say, their offense is terrible. Um, Saquon Barkley's out. Jones is not looking like the quarterback a lot of people thought he was. This is also a losable game for the Cowboys. It's kind of crazy to say, but our defense is so bad this season. So Dak has to – like I said, Dak is, you know, the offense is clicking, but the defense is like, what are you guys doing out there? And it's funny because – the Colts have the top defense in the league, I was reading. I think uh, they're Correct. the top. And I think their offense is it's middle tier. You know, Phil River is still adjusting. But, man, them Cleveland Browns, man. You saw them last week. You got to see them firsthand with all the trickery they were pulling out of their ass. The last play, I don't even want to talk about it. I just 
the play that the trick of their Beckham touchdown. Um, the Browns are looking like what they were supposed to look like last season. I think um, Baker Mayfield's playing a little better. He's finally Odell's finally happy again. I don't I don't understand why Odell wasn't getting a ball more, but I like their two man running game. I heard Chubb is hurt though, so but they still have Kareem Hunt to step in. So I'm liking the Browns to take this one today. I think they'll go four and one. It's pretty crazy to think that the Browns are like have a better record than a lot of teams in the league. So <laughs> It's okay. Hey, and you know what? My favorite, you know what? We, that's where we got to agree and disagree. Can't win them all. Um, by the way, if you are looking for any pregame show today or you're looking for anything, your boy Joey Nips on Twitter, also just by my regular name, Joe, I was on Big Recon on Sports. Uh, you can find that on YouTube and Facebook uh, or Twitter. You can find the link for the Browns Colts pregame. But moving on to actual talk, I do agree Dallas is going to kick the living crap out of the New York Giants. Sorry, Myron Chapman, known as Ryu Kendrick, guest earlier in our podcast. But it's going to be ugly. I think Dallas finally pulls it together in that crappy division they all are in and maybe he gets, gets to the top of it winning 34-17. Moving to my team, Indianapolis has a lot of injuries today. Uh, Darius Leonard, all pro, Anthony Cassanza, left tackle are out. That being said, we're going into a tough Cleveland team with a little bit of bias, I'm, as I said in the pregame show. Colts 24, Browns 23. Uh, if anybody's looking for a little bit of a COVID update, they have moved things, again, once around in the NFL with the Broncos and the Patriots are canceled for this week and moving to next week. So, a lot going on in all sports, but especially the NFL being hot and heavy in the middle. Okay, fellas, you got, and ladies and gentlemen, you got a little bit of sports out of us. We like to talk our favorite teams sometimes. We got the NBA Finals tonight. Cleveland, besides your last thought, is it over tonight? Is your Lakers bringing the title home and making you a happy man on the Sunday evening? I think LeBron James is going to put the end to the series tonight. Uh, like I said, I thought it was over game five. I can't express how disappointed and angry I was at Danny Green, a known three-point specialist, damn near air balls a three-pointer, and then Markeith Morris just throws the ball away panicking. Um, I hate the criticism people gave LeBron. They got mad at LeBron for passing it out. Like, dude, it's four on one. I don't – the referees were not going to call a foul at the end of the game, especially for a championship. So I think he made the right play. I think I heard AD is a little hurt, but it's game six. LeBron James has something to prove. So I think they're closing it out tonight. And you know what? He definitely made the right play. Danny Green, you've, you're older now. You've missed a lot of threes I've been seeing. That, he, that should have been an easy make that wrapped up the series. But, hey, you know what? Things happen. LeBron's the best player on earth. Let's hope he, uh, for the Lakers' sake, he closes that out. But for everybody here, as noted, we talked a lot about wrestling today, news, in the ring, out of the ring. We brought in a little bit of sports talk. Once again, I want to give Cleveland's grandma a shout-out for always listening. I know she's probably still thinking, where's the talk on the 205? We, I promise you, I didn't say what episode, but I will get there. Just please keep listening, and I'll give you uh, the information you are looking for with my boy Cleveland. Maybe I'll even spin it around and let him host an episode so he can bring some of that out into the light. Um, as always, we're looking for guests. We're going to update you guys more in the future on Twitter. And next episode, we are not exactly sure yet if we will have a guest or not. We're going to kind of leave that up for a little bit of 
you know, debate between us and a surprise factor. So make sure you do tune in next week because there will be a little change up in the game, whether it is a guest or whether we, the way we present the show, I might let my boy Cleveland be doing uh, some hosting and, you know, flip the script on me. So as always, we thank our fans. It's been a long one today. We're going to enjoy the rest of this beautiful Sunday afternoon in the Chicago area, watching some football, being ready for another great week of wrestling leading into hell in a cell with the draft again tomorrow. And don't forget on AEW Wednesday, all five championships are on the line before Cleveland and myself, Joe, the host, we love you. We thank you and enjoy your Sunday afternoon fellas and ladies, because we're in for another great day of the NFL.